Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint, which with it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Amen. Let's pray. Awesome and loving Father, we thank you for the teachers that you have put in our lives. We praise you for Reed and Josh and their faithfulness to you. We ask that your spirit would be here today and that we would consider the, to take your teachings through Reed and use them to encourage others with love. Amen. All right, good morning, everybody. So glad that you're here with us. I'm going to preface the message this morning by making uh, a little bit of a preface. <laughs> uh, what I'm going to say this morning is not intended to be a political statement. It is not intended to be a COVID-19 statement. It is... In some ways, it is simply what is up next in our teaching series, which we planned for a long time. But it does especially apply to us now, as always. It is a statement from God's Word, and that statement is, we will meet together. Or as Hebrews puts it, we will not neglect to meet together. Of course, those who are weak or sick or cannot get out to meet at times, uh, and God understands those frailties, but his general will for us and his command to us is to meet together and to not forsake doing that. We have put this current teaching series in we will statements because we want them to move from the pages of scripture into your life, into your heart, to become convictions deep inside you. These are exhortations from God's word about our commitment to one another in a local church family. And I urge you, parents, impart these to your children. Men, lead your wives and families in these convictions. Our tenacity to meet together springs out of our love for Christ and our love for one another. It is a way that we practice seeking first the kingdom of God. It is a way that we show or demonstrate that we are seeking first the kingdom of God. Gathering flows 
out of hearts filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit stirs up that, that cry, that desire, that drive in our hearts to be together with other children of God. It is a result of being born of God, of being born of the Spirit. 1 John 3.14 says, We know that we have passed out of death and into life because we love the brothers. And part of the way that we love our brothers and sisters is expressed in the way that we love to be with our brothers and sisters in Christ. I recently finished a book about a Christian man who was falsely accused of being a spy in Russia, and he was thrown into the Lubyanka prison in Moscow for five years and then sentenced to 15 years in the Russian gulag in Siberia. And one of the things that amazed him was the passionate drive of believers to meet together despite the dire risks and despite the dire circumstances. When they met, they had to put people on watch outside their meeting to warn them against the approach of prison guards or the presence of informers. But they still met. He described a a close-knit group of Baptist believers in one camp who, he said, regularly gathered in prayer to recite the Bible from memory and to instruct one another to be faithful to Christ. He said the camp officials were particularly severe on Baptists and did their best to break up such groups, but they still met. They had no buildings. They had no sophisticated programs. They offered no entertainment, but they still met. Why is there this passionate drive to meet together? Or why should there be this passionate drive to faithfully gather together as God's people? I'm going to share several ways, and I'm going to, I'm going to they're not in order of priority, but I'm going to save what I think is the most important one actually to, to the last. First, Because God dwells among us together, or we gather, we gather because God dwells among us together in a way that we don't fully experience on our own. Ephesians 2.22, you, Paul is writing to believers, you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. That is the church. It is when the church is together that sometimes even an unbeliever will be overcome by the presence of God. 1 Corinthians 14, he will fall on his face and worship God, declaring that God is certainly among you. Brian Croft with Legionnaire Ministries put it this way, when the church gathers, the Holy Spirit works in unique and powerful ways that are missing in private gatherings. And who of us has not experienced that? 1 Corinthians 6.16, or 2 Corinthians 6.16, God said, I will dwell with them. Okay? I will dwell with them and walk with them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. God lives among a people. He lives in our midst together. 
the author I quoted earlier said, the Christians in the gulag paid the price to gather because they were aware of the presence of God in the community of believers gathered together. Zephaniah 3.17 says, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. God is in our midst. He's in the midst of his people. God is among us and he rejoices over us as a people together. I remember reading the Lord's, what we call the Lord's Prayer and being struck almost like a revelation from heaven of the, of the words our and us. Jesus taught his disciples to pray, our Father, give us our daily bread. Deliver us from the evil one. Jesus assumed that we would pray together. And so we pray together as a family, as brothers and sisters, presenting our needs to our Father. Second, we gather because we are members of one another. We've used uh, Romans 12, verse 5, as a key verse for this teaching series. We, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. In other words, we are all individually parts of a bigger thing. We are all parts of a whole. We are uh, parts of a whole as an elbow is a part of an arm. And if the elbow stops functioning or withdraws its functioning, it hurts, it hurts obviously the whole arm, but it hurts the whole body. And there are some who say, and I've heard people say something like this, hey, I'm doing just fine. Uh, not, I haven't been in church forever, but I'm, I'm doing just fine. Really, don't worry about me. But that is not the whole issue. We are called to do our part for others. We are here to receive, but we are also here to do, to give. Uh, as, as Paul says, as, as each part, or according to the proper working of each individual part, the whole body grows. And later on in that same passage where Paul tells us that we are members of one another, he, he gets real practical and he says, be devoted to one another. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor, honor each other or one another. Share with God's people. Practice hosp hospitality. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. And we do all those things together as members of one another. Third, we, are, we gather because we are commanded to gather. And we are warned against not gathering. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, obviously one of our scripture passages for this morning. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The Holy Spirit is speaking through the scripture and the Holy Spirit urges us to not forsake 
meeting together. And this alone, without anything else I'm going to say this morning, this alone should develop a conviction in us to faithfully gather with the church family. Fourth, we are stirred up to love more, to do more good by meeting together. Verse 24 says, let us consider, let's think about. It's like, um, let's, uh, let's just think about how we can uh, stir up each other to, to love one another and to do good works. And then verse 25 tells us how we do that by not neglecting to meet together but encouraging one another. There is just no question but that we do better together. And we tend to lose our spiritual fervor on our own. Logs on a fire keep burning, but when one is pulled off by itself, the flame goes out. It's it's a spiritual reality. And this is essentially the point of Hebrews 3, 12 through 13, where the writer of Hebrews says, take care, brothers. I mean, it's like this is a really important statement. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of, you, any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another daily, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Amen. We have a tendency to think that we would never become deceived or that we would never slide into unbelief, or that we would never turn away from God. But we are told to meet together to encourage or exhort, even warn one another daily so that that would not happen. Fifth, we gather because we see the good example of the New Testament church. Acts 2.42, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. One of the four things they continually devoted themselves to was fellowship, being together. They devoted themselves to being together. Acts 2, 46, with one accord, they continued to meet daily in the temple courts and to break bread from house to house. Acts 1.14, with one accord, they all continued in prayer. Acts 20, verse 7, Luke said, on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Uh, The disciples were devoted to coming together on the first day of the week. And when Paul, in, in Acts 20, when Paul came to Troas, he knew, he had no doubt that on the first day of the week, the church would be together. And the gathering of the church was a huge priority to the first century disciples. And at Troas, when Paul spoke till midnight, the church was still there with him. When they broke bread in the early morning hours, the church was still together. When Paul continued talking with them until daylight, they were still together. Paul said he labored for the hearts of believers at Colossae and Laodicea to be knit together with other believers in love. 
the reality is it's hard to be knit together life to life, heart to heart with other believers without actually being together as much as we can. You know, I enjoy a phone call with my wife or maybe a text, but that cannot replace sitting across the table from her at the cafe, face to face, eye to eye, uh, talking things over with him on a very personal, intimate basis. Physical presence does do something for our souls. Charles Spurgeon said, a Christian is not meant to be a solitary being. He pointed to the example of a dear sister in their congregation who was deaf, and he said, could not hear a word of what was said, but she came to church regularly because she knew it did her good to know that she was worshiping God with the rest of God's people. Now, there is a way to be with one another in spirit even when we are absent. And when we are absent, we should seek to still be together in spirit. But the desire or the preference, the priority is always to be together face-to-face. 1 Thessalonians 2.17, Brothers, although we were torn away from you for a short time in person, not in heart, our desire to see you face to face was even more intense. And 1 Thessalonians 3.10, night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you face to face. Paul was an apostle. He had to travel, but the cry of his heart was to be face to face with other believers and I love the tenacity of that and I believe when we're right with God when our hearts are right with God and our hearts are in fire and filled with the Holy Spirit we will have that tenacity to be with one another face to face to gather with the saints but I think that the the, the biggest reason, perhaps, and maybe I shouldn't put these in order of priority, but I was just stunned this week with how the importance of, of gathering. The biggest reason for us to gather is that our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, nourishes and cares for us through our engagement with one another. All spiritual life, I mean, everything that we have comes to us from our head, from our Lord Jesus Christ. All spiritual life, all nourishment, all power, all, all the energy, the divine energy, the divine nature, it all comes to us from Christ. But that life is fed to us through one another. Calvin said, all the life or health flows from the head, but it is diffused through the members of the body. Or it comes to us through the members of the body. And that's why I included this passage from Ephesians 4 uh, in the bulletin in, for our message this morning. Ephesians 4.11, and he gave some as apostles. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers 
to equip the saints for the work of ministry or the work of service for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Who is doing the work of the ministry? Who is doing the works of service? The saints. The saints, that's, that's Bible terminology for you and me. <laughs> we are the saints. We are the, if, you're, if, if you belong to Jesus Christ, you're a holy one. You're a saint. And it is the saints that do the work of the ministry. Who is building up the body of Christ? Each one of us. The work of apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers is to prepare each of us to serve so that we can be instruments or channels through whom uh, we nourish and care for and love each other and then we are built up or we grow into the people that God wants us to be. Verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Rather, speaking the truth in love to one another, verse 15, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. From him or from Christ, verse 16, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The NIV, that's the phrase in the NIV. I think the ESV is according to the proper working of each part. But the point is the church is a body. We are joints and ligaments. Somehow that, that concept, that understanding of who we are and what we are and, and how we're to function needs to sink down into our souls. We are like joints and ligaments. We're, we are that attached to each other and we are that necessary for the growth and the nourishment and the encouragement and the building up of each other. And again, I emphasize our growth, our maturity, our spiritual well-being flows from Christ, but through our interaction with each other as each one of us does its part. Our growth and maturity, our encouragement, our uh, spiritual nourishment doesn't come from outer space. It comes through us being together, speaking the truth to each other in love, loving each other, worshiping together, singing together, and glorifying God and praying together. God's plan for our well-being, our spiritual growth, our protection against false teaching, our deepening knowledge of Christ, our hope and our encouragement is through one another. It comes from Christ but it's through the joints and ligaments, the, the interconnectivity that we have to each other. So when we isolate from one another, we are shutting off this supply of nourishment that comes to us from 
the head that God ordained should flow into our lives through our engagement with one another. So we become mature by engaging in a body of believers where truth is spoken to one another. Using our, where we use our gifts to bless and encourage and love and to do good to one another. And we gather as a church so these things will happen. Now I want to address a particular problem we have today that the New Testament church did not deal with or it doesn't seem that it dealt with it, or had to deal with it near as much as we do today. And that is the, the habit or the practice of not being attached to a church. The picture we are given of a local church in the New Testament is that of a flock with shepherds feeding and watching over it. I mean, if you, if you want to get a, just an image of what, what the New Testament church is supposed to look like, the, the word picture that we're given in the, in the Bible is that of a flock with shepherds feeding and watching over it. Peter said, I appeal to the elders among you, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care watching over them. The writer of Hebrews said, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. So there's this, this sense of, of, of accountability, this, this sense that, that we are a flock that is being cared for and watched over, and the, the, the shepherds have a responsibility to the flock, and the flock has a responsibility to the shepherds. Uh, it says in Hebrews, uh, it says, let them do this with joy. Uh, you know, it's just, it's a good thing to do this in a way that the leaders can be joyful about it. And, but there's this, this picture of this flock with shepherds over it. So it is not wise or safe to live a detached Christian life uh, just floating from place to place, from ministry to ministry, or from church to to church, and I mean, it's great to, uh, to be ministered to by other believers outside of our body. I'm not saying that, um, but there, some, some say, well, I, I am with other believers, but they're just not faithfully with any certain group of believers, and I don't think that fits this image of a flock under the care of shepherds. We are not in prison where we cannot visit another church and real life church does not have to be your church. But we all need to settle into a flock where we are committed and connected to other saints and where we are allowing qualified shepherds to watch over our souls. Our church meetings are not opposed by prison camp guards as in the Russian gulag. 
But there are things in our culture that work probably just as effectively as prison guards against us gathering with the saints. And we need to be aware of those things. And most of these things are not wrong in themselves, but they can become too big and get in the way of this body life that God has appointed us to be a part of. So I'm just going to mention a few. Again, most of these things are not wrong in themselves, but they can get too big. For example, travel, camping, weekends away, leisure activities are just a big part of our culture. Uh, We can hop on a plane or uh, get in a car uh, so easily. And, And I hope everyone here gets to do some of that. But it just can become such a big part of our lives that our gathering with the saints becomes very hit and miss. That's the, that's the danger. There's a huge focus on kids' activities and sports in our culture. And again, those are great things. Thank God for kids with healthy, strong bodies and able to do things. But many of those events happen on uh, weekends, especially on Sunday morning. And without a conviction to gather, uh, sports over church can become a family lifestyle very easily. And our kids get that message. Our kids, they clearly see what matters to you. They clearly understand what mom and dad are living for and what the priorities are for mom and dad. And that gets, that message gets drilled down into their hearts and lives. Third, there is a trend to go to the internet for worship and teaching and to seek spiritual solutions apart from the body of Christ and church leadership. And certainly, where people can't gather for some reason or another, it's wonderful to have that, uh, the, those message, that worship or services online. We're not minimizing that, but there is such a trend, even in general, even apart from COVID, to turn to the internet for worship, teaching, spiritual solutions, and, and use that as a substitute for being connected to a church body and to uh, church leaders or shepherds or, or pastors. Fourth, there is just a shift in our cultural thinking, and I actually mean our Christian cultural thinking, away from going, going to church. People who call themselves Christians often say things like, well, the church isn't a building. I am the church, so I don't have to go to church. And it's just a taking something that is a truth and then distorting it and developing a false statement out of something that started as a truth. And here's what I think is perhaps the, the biggest problem of all that uh, works to keep us um, isolated, withdrawn, and not gathering. And that is that there is a massive loss of understanding that we are soldiers and that we are to endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And we should, we should be committed to, we should have a tenacity to gather 
even if we have to endure hardship to do it. We should have a tenacity together, even if it's inconvenient or when it's in, inconvenient. Uh, in season and out of season. You know, Paul said preach the word in season and out of season. And we should be committed to gather in season and out of season. It just should be something that we do. We're, um, we're committed to it. We're devoted to it. Because we understand that Christ called us to be a lot of things, but he called us to be soldiers. It's one of those. A man by the name of Joseph Gabor uh, grew up in Czechoslovakia under communist rule. And his father was a devout communist. But his mother took Joseph and his brother with her to church. And they would get up early, very early, every Sunday morning, and they took a three-hour train ride to, att to attend a two-and-a-half-hour church service and then made the three-hour trip home later in the day. Uh, today, Joseph is a missionary to his own people in Czechoslovakia. And in the story that I read about him, it said that when he tells about going to church as a child, his eyes fill with tears of gratitude for his mother who cared enough about his spiritual welfare to help him come to know and serve Christ. So we have to be awake to the spiritual and cultural forces and even the tendencies of the flesh that would keep us away from one another, that would tend to scatter us. And we, we have to make a, an intentional choice to overcome those and purpose to gather with the saints and for that to be a part of the way that we live our lives. Amen. So let us have deep convictions to gather with one another so that we may obey the scriptures, so that we may obey God, and, and also the, so that we may position ourselves for a life of spiritual growth and maturity and protection that comes from Christ, from, our, from Christ our head, down through the members of the body to one another. Amen. So my prayer is that may the Lord himself stir up a fire in our hearts to meet with one another, a love for gathering with one another. My, my prayer is that God would put a tenacity in our heart to faithfully meet with other saints. And I'm going to take a big risk this morning, and I'm say, going to say if you're listening online this morning and you've been away for a long time, come back. Amen. Come back soon. Yes. Uh, you need us, and we need you. Yes. Come back and be a part of the body of Christ as soon as you can. Let's pray.